0: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ignite. Glad you guys are here. I'm going to start out with a little family business today. I I had mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago that we have uh, hired our, our next, our campus pastor for um, the Bartonville campus, and they have made all of the... Uh, the necessary announcements, and so today we're going on record and saying, yeah, it's, it's Eric and Jen uh, Gordon. Uh, Jen is actually Linda Von Baron's daughter, and so that's not why they got the job. They went through the whole process, but uh, it is kind of a fun family connection, and uh, it's, we're, we're super excited to have them on board. We're super excited. Uh, it, the, the entire team, it was a unanimous kind of thing. The entire team, as we, we spent six months or so walking through this process, and we got to the end, we're like, I think this is God's choice. I mean, we really felt we had this overwhelming sense of like, this is a God thing. And they had the same kind of sense. And so we're super excited. Uh, Originally, we were thinking our timeline would be that they would transition out of their job. They're in the area. So they're in Morton right now working at a church. We thought originally that they they would transition out in August. They'd be fundraising in the in-between and maybe move in end of August or September when their house sells and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we've just been reminded again that our timeline means absolutely nothing to God. And so, and so uh, it's moving much faster than that. He is, uh, Eric's set to be done uh, in at the end of June, which is like, t- you know, what is it, the second? So that's coming like really fast. And I'm like, well, that's fine. It'll take some time for their house to sell. Well, their house went on the market yesterday morning and they got a full price offer yesterday morning. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so we're like, okay, but the contingency is that they'd be out July 10th and, and like <laughs> moving. So we're moving. We're moving here. So we are moving forward. God is moving us forward, and we're excited about that. They'll, they'll be obviously finishing up throughout June, but starting in July, they'll start showing up uh, here on Sundays um, and, and worshiping with us. However, we're trying to keep them focused on fundraising until they get that uh, kind of over that hurdle, and then they'll be uh, stepping in and, and doing a, more volunteering downtown uh, for the next few months before they start transitioning entirely to uh, to Bartonville. So we're excited about that. Going to ask that you be praying uh, for that whole journey, that whole process. I will mention one more thing, just in case God's going to do something with it <laughs> through one of you. So I'll just mention this. But the, they're fine. They could live with Linda or whatever in the in-between. Um, we've got a, uh, but, but they were kind of asking, would it be possible for us to move in earlier? Which would be great. We've got a parsonage for them that they can move into in Bartonville. However, uh, we've also got an intern (laughs) that's going to be living there this summer. Uh, And so we would need God to provide something else for them to be able to, for the intern, for them to be able to move in and all this kind of stuff. I just mentioned that to say, if you happen to hear of something or know of somebody, if you have a, uh, you know, an apartment or something that's sitting vacant behind you or who knows, uh, if you could see me or let me know or or, uh, even just pray about it, that'd be awesome. So like I said, God's got to work a bunch of stuff out, but he's clearly showing himself strong already. And so uh, we're excited. We're looking forward to what he has in store. And why don't I just kind of pray for us, and we'll transition into the message today. Father, we thank you for partners. Lord, I'm excited uh, about Eric and Jen Gordon and their family uh, coming on board and excited about what that means for um, this new church in Bartonville. And Father, I pray that as you have been already, I pray that you just show yourself strong, that we would recognize and respond to your presence and your leading uh, through this whole journey pray that uh, through these efforts and uh, even through this, this family coming on board, God, that, that you would use it to advance your kingdom in this region, that many would come to, to know and worship and step into the fullness of Christ. And um, yeah, that, you're, that you'd be glorified, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done more and more on this earth as it is in heaven, we pray. Now, God, as we uh, look into your word today, Uh, As we continue on this journey through Colossians, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would minister, that you would raise up, that you would challenge, that you would do what you want to do. May your word accomplish uh, your purposes in us today. God, may, may it find good soil in our hearts. May we be responsive to every word you have for us today. We need you. We love you. We lift these things up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to start out this morning with a few stories to kind of get us going. Uh, one, this, uh, this one is fascinating to me, but in 1878, so a while back, there was a, a young man who once dreamed of becoming a bishop, crossed the Atlantic from America to England to enlist in uh, William Booth's Salvation Army. Samuel Brengel was his name. He left a, an awesome pastorate to join uh, Booth, but at first... General Booth was a little bit cautious. He accepted this his service kind of grudgingly and reluctantly. Booth said to Brangle, "You've been your own boss for far too long." In order to instill some humility in him, he set him to work cleaning the boots of the other trainees. Can you imagine? It's like, oh, discouraged. Brangle said to himself, "If I followed my own fancy across the Atlantic in order to simply black boots, what you know, what, what a waste." And then he had sort of this moment as he was praying the next day where he had a vision of sorts of Jesus bending over the feet of these rough and tumble fishermen. And he ended up submitting and said, Lord, you wash their feet. He said, I'll black their boots. And uh, he went on and became one of the one of the greats in the Salvation Army. See, 2,000 years before that, a Jewish teacher named Jesus met in an upper room with his, with his students, with his disciples. And after supper, he did something that, that was nobody else in the room was willing to do. He took, a, he took a basin of water, he took a towel, and he put it over his arm, and he went and he stooped down and he washed the feet af- of, of person after person after person around the table. you got to remember, right, uh, in a day where people were wearing sandals and walking on dusty, dirty roads where animals had been, this was not a nice task. But he stooped down and he washed their feet, and when he got done, he said this in John 13. He said to his disciples, he said, Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, he said, you will be blessed if you do them. I've got a friend uh, by the name of Mike uh, up in Wisconsin who went to a a, a pastor's conference, kind of a leadership conference of sorts uh, one day and he uh, went, you know, during one of the breaks or whatever, he went into the men's room, uh, was, You know, pulled up to a stall, a urinal kind of thing. You're like, are we talking about this in church? Yes, we are. But anyway, he pulls up to one, and like, there's certain kind of unspoken rules up with men about urinals. Like, You just don't talk to anybody else. You don't look around. You kind of look straight ahead. That's kind of the deal. And uh, and so he pulls up into, into one of these stalls, and all of a sudden there's a guy that comes in. He's got the cane, the whole shebang. It's pretty clear that he's blind. And he pulls up, finally finds a stall that's open, pulls up starts doing his business and about halfway through he's like oh no (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, oh, gee, oh man, and, and my, my friend Mike says, I did something that you're just not supposed to do in that situation, but I, said, I turned to him, and I said, can I help you? <laughs> and he's like, wait, and, uh, and the guy was like, I, he's like, my, my name badge that we need to get into the sessions, I think it fell down and went into the urinal, and so the guy finished up, backed out, and Mike went up, and he said, yeah, sure, sure, sure enough, it did, so he, he reaches in, he takes it, he goes over to the sink, he washes it off, he dries it with a paper towel, he puts it on a street. I know some of you guys are going to have nightmares about this, but stick with me. He put, puts it back in the whatever, the lanyard or whatever, and hangs it back on the guy and uh, sends him on his way, and as he's walking, of course, then he's in there scrubbing his hand like a surgeon, but uh, <laughs> but when he gets to the end of that, he, he starts laughing and chuckling to himself, and he's like, I'm out serving Jesus. <laughs> it's like, he only washed feet. I'd have gladly washed feet. He goes, but he, was, he would kind of recognize he's like, I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus. He came to stoop down and to serve, to take the most, the job that nobody else would do. And then he calls us, he calls us as his followers to do the same. Well, we're on week number three of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Full in a World That's Empty, and this series is based on the book of Colossians. It's all about discovering and living in fullness of life in Christ, fullness in our souls in a way that brings contentment and satisfaction and life and joy to our souls. Fullness, as we talked about, is it's kind of the primary, one of the primary themes of the book of Colossians. And, and, uh, as I talked about last week, uh, this is kind of, uh, one of those summary verses for me. It's Colossians two, nine through 10 from the entire book. Um, and it kind of says this, and it, it, he, he, it, Yeah, like I said, it kind of sums up uh, so much of what the book of Colossians is about. It says this, for Christ, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God, who himself is fullness, right? All the fullness of God lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you too have been brought to fullness, and we said, uh, we've been talking the last couple weeks saying this is sort of a theme. This is, this is the book of Colossians in a nutshell. It's, it's, it's usually about one of two things. It's either about how great and full and marvelous Jesus is, as we talked about last week, one of the greatest passages, the second half of, of Colossians chapter one, one of the greatest passages about Jesus in the New Testament, right? Talk, painting a picture of the vastness and just how great uh, Jesus is. Uh, so it's either talking about that or else it's talking about How you and I, in following Christ, how we can step into and live in the fullness of Jesus with him, right? How we can kind of step into that relationship with God. How we can walk with him and live with him in such a way that leads us towards the fullness of Christ as well. We said pretty much all of the book uh, falls into that category. But today we're going to kind of walk through the next section of this book, which deals with serving one another. And here's kind of the big idea, and I think think you'll see this as we go through the passage, but uh, like I said, the the first two parts are, in Jesus' fullness, you can find fullness in him and nowhere else, is kind of what Colossians says, (laughs) in him alone is the fullness that you and I crave, that we long for, it's where the good stuff is at. In Jesus. And then, like I said, the second part is that as as you and I come to Christ, as we open up our hearts, put our faith and trust in Him, and start walking and following with Him, we too can start tasting and and moving ever closer and experiencing the fullness of Christ that's available to you and me. And then the part that we're going to talk about today is kind of the next step that says, and if as you and I experience fullness in Christ, the, the life that you and I were born for, of course then. Part of our job is to take that fullness and make it known to the world. Like let everybody else know, you know, there's life and there is fullness that's available through Jesus Christ alone. And as we serve, and as we love, and as we pour ourselves out to that end, uh, we get to see God's kingdom come in a pretty cool and pretty powerful way. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of see that as we. Uh, we walk through, but I'm just going to read Colossians 1 24 through chapter 2, verse 5, and, uh, and then we'll kind of go through it piece by piece. But it says this this is again written by Paul uh, to the, the church in Colossae. It says this now, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission uh, God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed or appeared to the Lord's people, revealed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding and in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that uh, no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments." For though I am absent with you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Now, really interesting passage, but let me set it up and then we're just going to kind of walk through this. But uh, as we, uh, I I really think if you'll stick with me as we walk through it, you'll see kind of a totally different way to see our lives, a totally different way to understand our call to servanthood Verse 24 talks about Christ's afflictions or suffering for the sake of his church, for the sake of his body. And who is, who is the church? Who is his body? It's us, right? It's you and me and every other believer in the world and throughout history that has put their faith and their trust in Christ. He suffered and he died for us. Right? That's sort of the, part of the core message. The core message of the gospel is that he loved you and I enough, right? That he came down, God came down for us, and he lived. He died on a cross for our sins so that you and I can be free, so that we can be forgiven. Everybody that would put their faith and trust in him could be Right, have our sins cut off and done away with from the past so that we could receive his spirit and come back into relationship with God and live with him and experience his fullness and so that we could live with him forever, right? It's the core message of the gospel. It's what the entire Bible is about. It's what Jesus came to do, right? It's, it's kind of a big deal, but this is at the core and a part of that has to do with Christ coming and suffering, for us. And it's weird, but as we're gonna see, it's kinda the setup for this whole passage saying, Well, yes, in the same way that Christ suffered, in the same way that Christ served, in the same way that Christ came, so we are to live and follow his example. Now we're gonna we're gonna kinda look at three different parts of that. And I'm just going to start out with this one. The first one is, is suffer. I'll, I'll get to it in a second. But Paul starts out saying, I am suffering for you. He writes to this church in Colossae. And he says, as Christ has suffered for his church, so I am suffering for you. He's saying the model for how we are to live and how we are to serve, even how we are to suffer is Jesus. And of course, parts of us know this, right? Well, of course, is Jesus our model as Christ followers? Yes, right? I mean, it's kind of like a dumb moment. But but here's something that I, I learned. This week that I thought was fascinating. The word that's actually translated and talks about as suffer or suffering um, is the Greek word that also means affection. And I thought, that's fascinating. I mean, there's, 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 a, there's a, a link in the Greek. There's no distinction between loving somebody and suffering for them. Isn't that interesting? They sort of go hand in hand. And as I was thinking about it this week, I'm like, well, I think it makes sense. Anybody that's had kids understands this, right? Moms understand it maybe in a particularly graphic kind of way. There's suffering involved in love. But I was thinking even even like as babies, uh, we've got some, some mamas in here that are not getting much sleep these days, right? Because their kids are up, their babies are, they need to be fed and changed and all this kind of stuff. And and I have to say, I remember with, with our first didn't, uh, didn't sleep well for about the first year of her life. And, uh, and I can remember feeling like it, like Tina and I were living in a complete fog for that first year. We're, we're dragging butt, Tina especially, kind of walking around. And yet, she was happy to get up, relatively speaking, right? But the reason children survive that era in their lives is because we are overcome as, as parents with love for these kids, we're like, oh, look how cute they are. Oh, look how they. I mean, you, you, we're overcome with affection and with love. And therefore, we are willing to suffer to make sure these, are, these babies are taken care of. And then they become toddlers, and we think, I'm not sure I love them that much. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but that, 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 that whole understanding gets stretched, and we suffer in some different ways, like, I'm going to lose my mind, right? And then they grow up and they're teenagers, and that's a whole different message. But anyway, <laughs> but right, the, there's this link between, and it's true for us too, there's this link between love and what we're willing to endure or sacrifice or even suffer on behalf of someone else. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's, it's the whole Greek idea and the whole biblical idea, I should say, of love. Now, I have to say, it's not really the kind of love that we talk about as a culture when you think of a husband or a wife or we think of romance or we think of love, you know, kind of thing. We'll talk about it as a feeling that benefits me, right? About, oh, I feel this way. I feel this way. And and when things get hard, sometimes people will say, well, I've just fallen out of love with them because we think of it as something that's primarily for me, but that's not the biblical picture of love. The biblical picture of love is me willing to sacrifice and even to suffer for the good of someone else. It's not about me, it's about them. It's about God and them, right? That's, that's the biblical picture of love. It's not just about, oh, me, 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 getting what I want. It's about being willing to suffer or to serve or to sacrifice so that someone else can be lifted up. That's the picture of love. It's a pretty cool picture. <laughs> uh, love being linked to sacrifice. Being willing to suffer for somebody else, to sacrifice my own comfort, my own desires for somebody else. Not losing a sense of who I am, but choosing instead to preference somebody else. That's love. Paul says, I'm suffering for you in an affectionate sort of way. As Christ has affectionately suffered for you, so I am suffering. For you, it's interesting. Paul has never, as far as we know, other than um, their pastor, Paul's never really met the church in Colossae. He's never he's never been there before. He's only heard about them, and yet he cares enough to to plead with them to, to to follow Christ to find fullness in life in Christ alone. He cares enough to write a letter, and and most scholars think that the suffering that he's describing is praying for them. He's he's uh, in jail at this moment for for being a Christ follower he's he's suffering in those kinds of ways but but he's agonizing in prayer for them, praying that they would not look anywhere else but to Christ for fullness, praying that they would not get swept away by a false gospel, praying that they wouldn't be distracted or or go after some of those things we talked about in week one, right, of cracking open a beer or (laughs) going after money or stuff or the easy path or whatever else to try and find fullness, but instead taking all of our needs and our desires and seeing them fully met in Christ. He's been praying day day after day after day for hours. In fact, there's other, there's other places where he talks about agonizing for people in, in prayer until Christ is formed in them. Can I hit the pause button for one second and say, man, do you and I show love for people that way? When's the last time that you have agonized, that you have suffered in prayer for somebody else? that you've cared enough about others those around you maybe those that don't know christ or maybe those that are going through a rough patch and and just need to turn to christ and find what they need when's the last time that you spent hours on your face before god crying out and pleading for the church or the mission of jesus or the kingdom of god to come in power for somebody to find freedom or healing or whatever that's the example that Paul's setting, saying, "Man, it's suffering for somebody else. It doesn't have to be just in prayer. Obviously, we suffer uh, when, or sacrifice, I should say, when we give of our time, when we give of our our resources, when we give of when we when we do something that maybe we wouldn't choose to do. We, we ask the guy next to us in the stall next to us, may I help you?' You know, kind of thing or whatever, right? I mean, but okay, get that image out of your head. I'm sorry, that's my, that's my bad. But right though, there's tons of ways, but But do we live our lives like that as Christ followers saying, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice even to suffer so that others can find Christ, so that others can grow up in Christ, so that God's kingdom could come, his church could be raised up, and his mission could advance in our region. Isn't that a crazy picture? I thought it was challenging this week. Second second thing, I'll just kind of keep going. Um, Hmm... Yeah, I'll keep going <laughs> sorry the second the second thing is uh, is serving and uh, of course verse 25 it says just as just as Christ suffered for the church he says so I have become the church's servant by the commission of God in the book of Colossians not only it does the the Greek word uh, link between love or care and uh, Sacrifice or uh, suffering, but there's also a, this whole link between suffering and serving. In fact, they're used almost interchangeably throughout the book of Colossians. There's a link between serving and suffering. Jesus served the church by suffering for the church. And Paul says to the Colossian believers, I'm serving you by suffering for you. In fact, he says, uh, This is an interesting one. He says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. And that's one of those things that, that you read and you scratch your head a little bit and say, what is all that about, right? Like, What the heck is he talking about? Was there something lacking in Christ's sacrificial death on the cross? Is that what it's saying? I think all of us probably know enough to say, um, I don't think I'm supposed to say yes to that, right? <laughs> like, no, right? That's not, that's not the case. Christ's life, his death, his resurrection is sufficient in every way. So what's Paul talking about here? This is basically what he's getting at. He's saying not everyone has heard or received or stepped into the fullness of life in Christ. And so until that happens, he's saying, I am going to suffer, I'm going to serve the church until Christ is formed in every person, until the message has gone out and people have heard and received it and are walking in that fullness of life in Christ, until they grow up and live in Christ, until they know him and the fullness and the power of his word and spirit. Now, I'm not sure if I'm communicating this well or not, but but, uh, I found it challenging this week to kind of think about this whole idea of am I willing to serve and to suffer or sacrifice so that others can find Christ? Am I willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Are are we willing to to give of ourselves and to stoop down and serve even into tasks that that we would consider to be beneath us or below us? Are we willing to stoop down and serve until Christ, so that Christ, so that other people can grow up in Christ, so that Christ can be formed in others. Not in a grumpy way, but Paul says, man, I rejoice in this. It is my joy to serve and to sacrifice, or to serve and to suffer, so that others can find and experience fullness of life in Christ. Am I willing to give them my time? Am I willing to, to go on a Friday night or a Saturday after an exhausting week, right? When Netflix is calling you, right? <laughs> when you're like, oh, I just want to sit in my comfy chair. I want to put on PJs and I want to watch, so- I just want to veg, right? Are we willing to, in those moments, to, to follow the promptings of the Spirit to go and surf, to go in love? Are we willing to get up early so that we can go and disciple somebody or pray with somebody who needs it? Am I willing to go and mow the lawn of somebody down the street that's, that maybe is far from God as, as a way to bridge, you know, build some relationship and serve in love, sacrifice so that they can find and meet Christ and grow up in him? Am I willing to serve and to give of myself so the church can be built up, so that the mission of Jesus can go forth? Am I willing to sacrifice some of my money to help the poor, to move, again, to move the mission of Jesus? You see what I'm saying? Man, that is not how we operate as a culture. It seems like everything in our culture and in our world is screaming and pointing to the fact that all all of our decisions in life should be about me, right? Whatever's easiest and best, whatever for me and my family. And yet when you listen to the cry of the gospel and the, 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 the message of Colossians, you hear the voice of God saying, it's not, right? Life is not meant to be all about you. It's meant to be about Christ, right, the supremacy of how great Jesus is, stepping into relationship with him, and then others, right, helping them to experience and grow up and find fullness of life in Christ as well. Are you living that way? Am I living that way? Or if, or if we're honest, would we have to say, you know what, I think most of my life is really about whatever's easiest for me, whatever I want, And if so, maybe today's a day when we need to step back and say, God, would you forgive me for losing sight of the mission of Jesus that you've given to me? That call to not just experience the fullness for myself, but to go and to stoop and to serve and to suffer even love so that others can grow up in Christ. All right, third thing. I'll keep going is to shine. So I needed an S word, right? Suffer, serve, shine. Uh, this is verse 25 is where I'll start. I'll kind of read through the next couple of verses. He says, Paul says, I become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, man. Is that that how you and I are living? Are we presenting the word of God in its fullness? The mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but is now disclosed or revealed to the Lord's people, to them, to the church, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's basically saying it's not just to suffer and to serve those already in the church. God says, I have strategically placed my church, which is who? Us, us you and me. He strategically placed us among the Gentiles. Now, who are the Gentiles in this context? Are those the people that are uh, inside the religious community of that day or outside? Outside. outside. To, to bring it over to our context, is that people inside the church or outside the church? outside, right? He's saying, I've strategically placed you amongst those that are far from God, others that don't know about the fullness of life in Christ. I have put you there to be a light, to shine, to make known the glorious riches of Jesus, to present the word of God, the gospel in its fullness. And do you know how that mystery is going to be revealed and seen by those outside of the church? Here's the key. He says, this has been his plan since day one. He's like, here's the key to the whole thing. It is, it's not you trying really hard to shine. It's not you working hard enough and doing anything. He's like, here's the key. It's Christ in you. That's been my plan. He's like, here's, here's the plan. I'm going to take your life. And before Christ, it was messed up. It was junked up with all kinds of Garbage. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to make you new. I'm going to fill you with my power. I'm going to teach you to walk with me and become more and more and more like me. I'm going to pour my fullness into you. And then I'm going to send you out with God in you to live in this world. And I'm going to shine my light light through you you know I was thinking this week I mean it's crazy but we use the term christian pretty flippantly these days but the first time the christ followers were ever referred to as christians it wasn't actually shared in a it was wasn't shared in a positive sense it was a derogatory kind of term and and these little Christ followers, they're out living their lives for Jesus, and people are looking at the way they're living. Outsiders are looking at it, and they're looking at the way that they radically forgive, at the way they have unbelievable compassion for the poor and for those that are sick and hurting, the ways they stoop down and serve, the ways they sacrifice of themselves, the way they love, the way, right, they're looking at their lives and saying, "You, that reminds me of somebody." They called them Christians or little Christ. They're like, you're just like that Christ fellow, right? You're just like, you remind me, your life reminds me of Jesus. Christ in you. It's his plan, it has been since day one. For those that work at CAT, you know he sent you there. You know what his plan is? His plan is to use Christ in you. If you work at the casino, if you work at, right, who cares, the hospital, if you work at wherever you are, right? Wherever you are, God's plan to reach those and to shine Jesus to that world is you. It's not just you, though. It's Christ in you. Jesus says, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven let your light shine. It's always been his plan. He says, man, here's the the deal. I want want you to know and recognize that fullness is only found in Christ. It's where the good stuff is that everything else is crap in comparison, Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. It's it's, It's nothing compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. Fullness is found in him alone. I want you to that and then I want you to step into it as you follow and you draw close and you worship and you love and you are transformed by him I want you to experience that fullness for yourself and then I want you to take it and shine it to the world Christ in you I wonder if you're doing that these days I wonder if we're out there serving and suffering, sacrificing, loving, and shining to those around us that desperately need Jesus. Are we living our lives to that end? That's where the good stuff is at. It's part of the journey to fullness. It's part of following Jesus. I've shared this story before, but I, I remember uh, hearing this story. It's Howard Hendricks. He's a professor, author, all kinds of pastor, all kinds of things. But he shares a story about taking a flight one time on uh, American Airlines, and he had this guy that sat down in front of him that was a total jerk. I mean, he was just, he was terrible. He was terrible to the people around him. He was especially terrible to the stewardess who was trying to take care of him. He was just mean. He was saying all kinds of derogatory and kind of stuff. I mean, it was just a bad, bad news kind of thing. And uh, and howard Hendricks is sitting behind him and he's watching this and then the and as if that wasn't bad enough then the guy starts pounding alcohol right and he just goes from bad to worse i mean it's just, it's, a, it's a mess and he's watching the stewardess who is treating this guy with grace and love she's being patient with him she's doing all this kind of stuff and he said after about 20 minutes of this she went back to the galley to get some more i don't know whatever you get in the galley and uh and he's like, he got up and followed her back. And he said, you know, I got to tell you, I am a frequent flyer on American. I fly this, this airline all the time. He's like, I have to tell you, I have never seen anybody treat a, a jerk like that with more class and grace. He's, he said, if I can have your name, I'd like to write a letter to American Airlines to let them know uh, how much I appreciate uh, your service and, and uh, just the way you've handled this guy. And, and this is her response. She said, you know what? She said, well, I thank you for that, sir, but you need to understand that I don't work for American Airlines. (laughs) He's like, I kind of stumbled back and said, you don't? She said, no. She said, "Uh, sir, I work for Jesus Christ, and he's the one who helps me be patient with people. And uh, he said, after I picked myself up off the floor, she started witnessing to me and sharing about how Christ had so transformed her life. She verbalized why she did what she did. I think sometimes uh, you and I can hold back from that part, and people around us might be tempted to think, well, they're just a really nice person, right? But that would be a detriment to this whole thing. She had to share why she was doing it. I want you to think about it. In this story, she suffered she served, and she shined. She shared. There was was that kind of piece of it. She shined for Jesus. It's the call of every Christ follower. It's the call of you, and not just on Sunday mornings, right? No, no, no. So we serve on Sunday mornings. Some of us serve, and we it's part of our ministry to do what we do here on Sundays, but we gather together to worship, to get trained, to, to all this kind of stuff, but we leave this place on a mission. We leave to serve. We, learn, we leave to love and to sacrifice and even to suffer and to shine so that others Can find Christ so that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, so that he would be glorified, and so that his kingdom would come and his will would be done in our city, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, right? At the grocery store when you show up, anywhere you go, that Christ in you would go to bring his kingdom. Let me uh, jump ahead here. I just, I love the. I find myself wondering a couple things. First of all, I wonder, uh, man, what would it be like if a church like us, a church full of people, you're like, well, there's not that many of us. Well, yeah, Jesus' church, right, started with 12. (laughs) So there's more than 12, and they turned the world, God turned the world upside down through them, right? That that, that whole thing. But what would it be like for a church like us if every one of us said, you know, I'm willing to live my life that way. I'm willing to understand my identity fundamentally as a servant, right, that I would be willing to stoop down to suffer in love and to shine so that others could find Christ, so that the church could be raised up, so the mission of Jesus could move forward. Imagine what God would do if when we walked out of here, we walked out with that kind of lens, looking, scanning the horizon, praying, saying, God, how would you want to use me today? What might you want to do in me? Imagine what God would do Christ would do with a room full of people that said yes to him like that. Well, I love the whys uh, in this passage. They kind of give us a snapshot. Paul gives us a snapshot of what would happen if we live this kind of thing out. uh, And sort of the the says, I'm serving, I'm suffering, I'm shining, so that, and I'll just hit these quickly, but the first one is this, he says, so that everybody can find fullness of life in Christ. Everyone becomes fully mature in Christ as we live this way, as we embrace this new way to do life and to live our lives as servants and ministers, the church grows up. The mission of Jesus advances and people become mature slash full in Christ. We grow up into maturity. We've, as we follow him into fullness with Christ in us, empowered by his strength and his spirit, the church grows up. The mission moves forward. People find Jesus. It's as simple as that. The second thing he says, we become encouraged in heart. There's this. Uh, there's this great verse. It's the only verse I have memorized from the book of Philemon. It's a one chapter long uh, book of the Bible. If you want to feel really good about yourself, you can read it. Be like, I just read a book of the Bible. Check that off your list. It takes about three minutes or something. But but there's this verse in there that I, I love and I think of often. And uh, and it says this. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And I have to say there's something about that that's true. We have a fuller understanding of God's goodness as we share and we shine and we love and we serve those around us. We get to see God show up and do some amazing things in our midst. We get to see people come to know Jesus. We get to, we get to be reminded of the way he transforms lives, of the way he brings fullness, him and nobody else, right? Nothing else. It's one of the reasons we love Baptism Sunday around here so much. We've done a couple of those. We'll do another one later in the summer. But uh, it's because it does the same thing. It reminds us of every good thing we have in Christ. It reminds us of the goodness of Jesus, of the way he is still transforming people and drawing people and changing lives in eternity. And we can see him in our midst and get reminded of that in the midst. It encourages our hearts. Third thing is, uh, he, says, he says, so that you can be united in love. There's a unity that comes from a church that embraces her mission to serve and to minister and raise up and shine Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. When we get on mission, we are in lockstep with Jesus, and we are in lockstep with one another. In Acts 4, uh, there's a passage that talks, uh, a, a picture of the early church who is living their lives this way. I want you to listen to this. Living their lives this way, and, and just listen to what it says. Acts 4.32 says this, all the believers were one in heart and in mind. Sounds like united in love, but that could just be me. They were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify or to share, to shine the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them. They brought the money in the sales. They put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anybody who had need. What I want you to see is this. I see a community of people, the church of Jesus Christ, that was serving one another, that was suffering or sacrificing for each other, each other and was shining Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. What's the byproduct? It says they were united in love. They were one in heart and mind. That's basically Colossians 1 and 2 in a nutshell. The fourth thing is this. It says we grow in, into full, the full riches and complete understanding of Jesus, of Christ as we serve and minister to one another, as we live out the mission, as we grow, we, we, we grow up and have a fuller understanding of who Jesus is, and we love him and we follow him more. In him is fullness, the riches of God offered to you and me. Here's the first three weeks of, of, of the series in a nutshell, right? I'm just going to do it again. I'm, I'm hoping we all, we all soaks in, right, that it gets us. But the first week is that in Christ alone is what? Is, I'll give you a hint, it's the name of the series. Fullness, right? In Christ alone is fullness. Why go anywhere else? He's, he's the good stuff. In Him is complete fullness. Why go anywhere else? Then, then we talked about the, this whole fact that not only is Christ fullness, but if you have put your faith and trust in Christ, that we can step into that life of fullness with Him. And then the third thing is, after we have put our faith and trust after we've tasted that he sends us out to serve to suffer to shine so that those out there have a chance to to hear the gospel message in its fullness to hear the word of god and They can come to know Christ and step into his fullness so that the church of Jesus Christ is raised up and moves forward and the mission of Jesus comes in power in this world. Paul says, man, I am pouring my life out for this kind of thing and you should too. It is why we're here. It's part of our calling as Christ followers and it's the good stuff, friends. Well, I don't know uh, what God might be saying to you this, this morning, but I wonder if you maybe like me need to be reminded of this this morning. It seems as though everything in us, as I mentioned earlier, everything in our culture, in our media, it's trying to say, you know, it's all about you. Do whatever is best and easiest for you. But Colossians and God's word and Christ himself reminds us, don't be deceived. The fullness that you are looking for is found in Christ alone now go and serve, now go and love, even suffer, so that others can discover and live in that fullness in Christ, and grow into that fullness, and then go and shine, and share Jesus with a world that desperately needs him. Friends, there is great purpose for you. He's got great plans for you. He wants to use you, but more more accurately, he wants to use Christ in you to change the world, to grow up the church, to reflect his goodness, his gospel, proclaim his gospel to the world, and to bring his good and perfect plans to bear in this world. I wonder if today maybe God's saying to you, it's time to get on board. It's time to step forward. It's time to say, you know what? It isn't really about me. God, would you forgive me? Maybe if we're honest, we'd say, you know what, our our time, our talent, our treasure, every part of us, we've been spending by and large on me. Maybe we throw a little token something out or we serve a little bit just to appease our conscience, but we're not living our lives with that kind of intensity, with that kind of focus on the mission of Jesus. And maybe today God is prompting you to say, it's time to hit your knees and say, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I want to live my life for your purpose, for your glory, for your mission. Have your way in me. Maybe you're here today, and in, in all honesty, you've just been looking all over, you've been going to all the wrong places trying to find fullness, and maybe God God is just tapping you on the shoulder today and just reminding you, saying, fullness is found nowhere else but in Christ. It's time for you to quit looking and running down this road, success or job or money or whatever, pleasure or whatever, going after all, it's time to stop that just drop it and say god i'm so sorry i've tr- i've looked everywhere but to you would you forgive me would you cleanse me i want to be your kid i want to follow you i want to step into the yoke and live with you as my god and as my savior come and have your way maybe you're here today and uh and God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, man, it's, I want to use you to shine. Maybe there's somebody at work or somebody in your neighborhood. I don't know. A friend, an estranged friend or family member or whatever that is going through a rough time or is desperately in need of Jesus or whatever, and God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want you to shine for me. I want you to go and maybe open up my word with him, maybe share with him about what Christ has done in your life. Maybe, maybe he's prompting you and tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Why don't you start a Bible study at work? (laughs) You're like, I'm gonna do that. Maybe he's saying, I want you to share about me with someone. You're like, and and maybe you feel a little insecure about it, you're like, I'm not, I don't think I'm the right person. I don't know that much. I'm not strong enough. And let me just, let me just say, maybe he's tapping on the shoulder saying, who is it that is uh, the hope that we have? Is it you or is it Christ in you? Christ in you, friends, is more than enough. <laughs> more than enough to accomplish what he's asking you to do. Our job is to follow, right? Our job is to go. Our job is to shine and to serve and to suffer, and he will use you, me, Christ in us to bring the hope of glory into people's lives, into people's hearts, and to to bring his kingdom to bear in this world. Let's close in prayer. Father, forgive us for making so much of our lives about us. I mean, we are, we are the selfie generation, right? We are uh, taking pictures and just thinking about ourselves all the time. We just ask that you forgive us. Would you teach us instead to step out as you call us to fullness? I pray that our eyes would not just be on ourselves, but that you would lift our eyes to you, Jesus, and also to those around us send us out with purpose today god to live for you to shine for you to serve and to love and even to sacrifice for you may your kingdom come may your will be done in us and through us have your way and as we do god would you would you be glorified would you would you transform lives and hearts would you grow your church towards fullness would you would you bring your kingdom more fully to Peoria and East Peoria in this region as it is in heaven we love you and we need you we just surrender to you now God we just open up our hearts and hands and say we are yours we're going to live as your servants we're going to live in your spirit in your fullness we're going to shine for you in Jesus' name.